Go ahead and be seated. I sure hope that you have um, something to write with this morning, something to write on, and your Bible. Got a lot of stuff to share with you. We've got some 20-something different passages to work through uh, this morning. I don't have them on the screen behind me today. I want you to be focused on taking notes and receiving this message into your heart and lives today. The fact of the matter is, I know that there are many that are here today and you're hurting. You're in the midst of some serious trials and, and trauma. And you're struggling to make sense of, of the past week and a half, two weeks. If we're not careful, when our world gets turned upside down, we'll have a tendency to focus on the problems of this world and not upon the one who can overcome all the problems of this world. So today I'd like to share with you some foundational truths about the suffering that we go through in life. Perhaps if we can understand the truth about suffering, then we will be better equipped and prepared so that we can glorify God in the midst of it all. And so, if you have one of those handouts that were given on your way in, you'll be able to follow along very easily this morning. If not, these notes or these points will be on the screen behind me. Let me share with you five truths this morning about suffering. Truth number one is that God is not the creator of evil and suffering. Have you ever asked or have you ever heard someone saying, why didn't God just create a world where there was no suffering, where, where evil didn't exist, absent and free from pain and problems? Well, the answer to that question is, He did. Genesis 1. At the culmination of His creation in Genesis chapter 1, verse number 31, it says that God saw all that He had made and it was very good. So since God is not the creator of evil, nor is He the creator of suffering, then where does evil and suffering come from? You see, when God created the world and created humanity in its perfect form, Genesis 1.31, He gave Adam and Eve the ability to choose. He gave them the ability to, to make a choice. He placed them in the midst of His beautiful creation and He gave them free reign over all that He created except for one limitation. And by putting that one limitation in place, He ultimately provided them the means and the chance for them to make a choice. So the ability to choose is needed if we're going to be able to express our love to God and to each other. For instance, if I were to, to pull the string on the back of a doll and it says, I love you, it really doesn't do much. Right? That really doesn't mean much. I mean, after all, it's just doing what it was programmed to do when you pull a string. And so, when you think about that, isn't it possible, and I believe that it is, I believe that it's true, that God knew exactly what He was doing when He gave the choice in the midst of His creation. Look at it this way. How many of you are parents? Raise your hands. 
All the parents, right? I mean, couldn't you have foreseen that there would be a chance that if you brought a child into this world, that the child might suffer hardship, that the child might, might go through periods of, of harm and suffering? I mean, couldn't you have foreseen that there was a chance that perhaps your child that you would bring into this world may ultimately reject and or betray you? Of course you could. But, but guess what? You had children anyway. Because you knew that you also had the potential for great love to be displayed and received. I think it's the same way with God. He knew that we would rebel against Him. But He also knew that many people would make their choice to follow, to submit, and to surrender their lives unto Him. So truth number one, God's not the creator of evil and suffering. Truth number two is that God allows suffering to accomplish something good. Now there's many ways that we can unpack this truth. I want to give you several examples, eight examples in all. Eight examples on how God allows suffering to accomplish something good. First example is that God allows suffering to help advance the gospel. Paul was in prison when he unjustly, uh, he was in prison unjustly. He was convicted on, on false charges. None of it was, was real or authentic, but yet uh, he was arrested and in chains. And in his imprisonment, he wrote the letter to the church of Philippi. Oh, we've been going through that chapter here in this church. And so under a false arrest, he writes a letter, and in that letter, he says in Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 13, he says, but I want you to present the gospel to a whole community that was in desperate need of receiving it. I think in God's eyes, it's far better to allow one man or one woman to suffer for a short time in this world so that other people or larger groups of people can have the opportunity not to suffer for eternity. So God allows our suffering sometimes so that it can help advance the gospel. Number two, God allows suffering to draw people back to Himself. And the best example of this can be seen in Scriptures in Luke chapter 15. The story of the prodigal son after receiving all of his inheritance, demanding it before his father died, going off and wasting it on, on a foolish lifestyle and foolish choices, it says in the text that he uh, began to be in need. By the time we get to verse number 17, uh, he found himself eating the food that was only offered to pigs. And it says in verse number 17 that he came to his senses. In his time of suffering, when he was in need, and as he came to his senses, he went back home to his father. You catch that? His suffering led to repentance. C.S. Lewis once wrote in his book, The Problem with Pain, and he says that God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in your conscience, but shouts in our pains. And is a megaphone to arouse a deaf world. And I would agree. Pain does have a way of waking people up. It has wisely been said that some people will not look up 
till gone until they're laying flat on their back. The Bible also says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse number 10, that godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regrets. Hear me carefully. Sometimes it is the will of God for you to suffer. Why? So that it can produce repentance in and through your life. If you're suffering today, I would encourage you to examine your life, your choices. Your suffering may, I put a strong emphasis on that word may, your suffering may be from God for the purpose of bringing about and producing repentance in your life. But, but don't fall into the mistake and think that all suffering is a result of sin. That's not true. It's important to point out that a person's surf, suffering is not always connected to sin. In fact, Scripture tells us in Psalm chapter 34, verse number 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous. So be careful, but examine yourself. It's a good place to start. But you need to understand that even a child of God who is walking uprightly with the Father, who is doing the right thing, making the right choices, can still find himself in in places and long periods of, of suffering, of problems, of pain. I mean, all you gotta do is read the story of Job in the scriptures, and you can understand that. Job suffered, but his suffering wasn't connected to sin and or disobedience. Let me give you another example. Sometimes God allows us to suffer in order that He might discipline His children. Listen to Psalm 119. In verse number 67, it says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. You get to verse 71, it says, It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. And then in verse 75, it says, In faithfulness, you have afflicted me. That affliction is bringing on suffering. That's turmoil in life. Hebrews chapter 12, the first part of verse number 7 says, Endure hardship as discipline. Then it goes on in verse number 10, and it says, Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good that we may share in His holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Please understand that discipline is not the same thing as punishment. Uh, The purpose of punishment is to impose a penalty as a result of something that was done in the past. So the focus of punishment is on past actions. But discipline is different. The purpose of discipline is to train for correction and maturity. The focus of discipline is on future actions. Let me say this, one of the worst things that we could do as parents is to fail to discipline our children when they begin to do things that are wrong. 
And so what we'll do is sometimes uh, we will do things that we might not particularly like, like punishment, in order to accomplish something that we love, and that is obedience. But here's the problem when it comes to understanding God. See, he can see the good that will result in the suffering that he allows us to experience in our lives. But oftentimes, we can't see that. We don't understand it. Often, it doesn't make sense to us because we're in the midst of that suffering. And so we don't have God's perspective. And because we don't have his perspective, we have a hard time being able to see the good that can come in and through it all. Let me give you an analogy to help better understand this. Uh, Suppose you were walking along in the woods and you came across a giant bear who was in a trap. In those snap traps, whatever they're called. And so the bear is in the trap and, and feeling a great compassion and care for the bear, you want to help it. You want to help the bear out. But you can't get too close to it because he will attack. He doesn't know that you're there to help. And so what do you do? Well, you pull out a tranquilizer gun. But the bear sees a gun. The bear doesn't know what you're planning on doing. All the bear can assume is that you're there to hurt and or to kill it. So after shooting the bear and falling asleep, you begin to move closer, but you have a problem. You still have that trap on its leg. So what do you have to do? You have to move some things out of your way. In order to release that trap, you have to shove that trap deeper and further into its flesh, into its bone, so that ultimately it can release that, it can reach that point where the tension is released and the spring is open. Now, if the bear were somewhat semi-conscious, he would think, man, you're some sadistic individual. Still trying to hurt me. Still trying to harm me. But the bear doesn't understand that you're there to release it and to help. The bear can't understand it because it sees it from, through his perspective. Not from the perspective of the one that's there to help. I think that's often our reality in, in times and trials of hardships that we face. Because we have a limited perspective because we have the inability sometimes to stop focusing on the problems and put our eyes upon Jesus. And with that limited perspective, as a result of that, we begin to become frustrated. We get bitter. We become angry. We wonder, why is God allowing this to happen? Where was God when all of this happened? When actually... God could be allowing it because he can see the bigger picture. He can see the good that's going to come out of it through faithful obedience unto him. Let's keep going. Let me give you a fourth example. God allows suffering in order to help to keep us humble. You take Paul as the example. God allowed him to suffer so that he would remain humble. The text comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 9. We have a tendency to focus on verse number 9. Verse number 9 says, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. But hear the full text. Hear, 
here, here the whole uh, of everything that's happening here. Verse number 7 says, Paul writes and he says, in order to keep me from being conceited, catch that? In order to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassingly great revelations, there was given to me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. That thorn that Paul wanted to be removed from his flesh, whatever it was, that that thing that was uh, discouraging and disheartening for him, that he would go to God and say, God, please deliver me from this. God said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. I'm not taking that away from you because the suffering that you're experiencing because of that is going to help you from becoming conceited. So sometimes God allows us to suffer to keep us humble. Number five, sometimes God allows us to suffer in order that our character might be developed. Let me say it this way. God is much more interested in the development of your character than He is in the providing you comfort. When it comes to character or comfort, God will always go for character development rather than comfort providing. Scriptures tell us in Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5, It says, we always, I'm sorry, we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. And character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom He has given us. So as we endure these hardships and these trials, We are being trained to persevere. Our character is being changed. Our hope or our confidence in God is being strengthened. Next one, number six. Sometimes God allows suffering in order to equip you to help others. The text here is 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. There it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of compassion, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Did you catch that? It says, uh, God who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves have received from God. So in your suffering, in your trials, the comfort you received from the Lord, the wisdom that you gain, the truths that you discover, they're going to enable you to be effective ministers to other people who are suffering or who soon will be suffering. God is preparing you in your suffering so that you can help somebody else who's going to be suffering. Number six. No, number seven. God allows suffering in order to display His glory. Oh, this is a good one. 
John chapter 9, verses 1 through 3 says, as he went along, talking about Jesus, so as Jesus went along, he saw a blind man from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? People often say there's never uh, such a thing as a dumb question would argue that sometimes there are dumb questions. I mean, the disciples just said, Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? You catch it? You feel the, the stupid question part? How could the man sin before birth so that he could be born blind as a result of a sin that he committed in the womb? Okay, anyway. Okay, so, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus says, neither this man or his parents sinned. But all this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. God providentially allowed this man to be born blind to live a a period of his life in physical darkness, not because of any sin in his life, not because of any sin that his parents committed. He allowed it to happen, according to John chapter 9, verse number 3, so that the works of God might be displayed in his life. Just think about it. Your suffering, your trial... It's providing an opportunity for the glory of God to be made known. And then number eight. God allows suffering to help others from suffering. He does this by fulfilling his promise in Romans chapter 8, verse number 28. There it says that we know that in all things God works for the good, for those who love Him. See, a lot of times people just quote the first part. They get stuck there. We know all things work to good. No, the text says we know that in all things God works for the good, for those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. In other words, that God can take our suffering, He can take our grief, and He can cause good to emerge from it if we love Him and we're committed to following Him. The Old Testament gives us a great example of this reality in the story of Joseph. Joseph went through terrible suffering. I mean, his own brothers like beat him almost near death, sold him into slavery. He was falsely accused, falsely imprisoned, Finally, after a dozen years, he he was put into a role of great authority with great responsibility. So much so that now his family is suffering and they go to find help. And when they arrive, listen what it says in Genesis chapter 50, verse number 20. Joseph is saying, you intended to harm me, speaking to his brothers who beat him and sold him into slavery. He says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. 
God promises that He can take whatever pain that you're experiencing and He can draw something good from it if you love Him and are committed to following Him. The ultimate example of this reality is seen in Jesus. Because of the suffering that our Lord had to endure, then we can now have our sins forgiven. God allowed the evil actions of men to help accomplish His goal in making possible a way of salvation for me and for you. What an amazing God that is. Now let's get back to these truths. Truth number three. One day, all suffering will end, parentheses, for those who follow Christ. One day, all suffering will end for those who follow Christ. A lot of times, people will have a tendency to say things like, if God has the power to eliminate evil and suffering, then why doesn't he just do it? And I would say, Just because he hasn't done it doesn't mean he won't. And criticizing God for not doing it yet is like reading a novel and halfway through criticizing the author for not tying up the loose ends to the plot. Just because God hasn't eliminated all sin and suffering and pain and trials doesn't mean that he won't. In fact, Scripture promises us that one day he will. One day, all evil, one day, all pain will be erased and every single individual will stand before a mighty God and have to give account and be held accountable for the good and the evil that they have done. That day is coming. So often the question becomes, what's the delay? Why not now? Let me help you understand this. One of the reasons why there's a delay is very possibly because of you. Because of you. He's actually delaying the consummation of history in anticipation for those that are going to put their faith and trust in the Son. Scripture tells us in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 9, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. He's delaying out of his great love for us. Truth number four. So our suffering will pale in comparison to what God has in store for his followers. Please understand, I don't want, and I'm not trying to minimize the pain and the suffering that you're enduring right now, but let me just help you by by encouraging you that it helps to take a long-term perspective on things. The Apostle Paul understood this truth. I want you to listen to what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse number 17, Paul says, For our light and momentary troubles. I'd stop right there. Paul, 
says, are light and momentary troubles. And if you don't know the Scriptures very well, if you don't know much about Paul, you might have a tendency to think, well, okay, so what's the big deal about that? Why is that significant? Well, let me help you understand why it's significant. If you would look in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and you read through that chapter, you'll begin to see the light and momentary troubles that Paul is referring to. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 tells us that five times he was shredded with uh, 39 lashes. Five times. Three times he was beaten with rods. One time they attempted to kill him by casting stones at him. Three times he was shipwrecked. Constantly on the move. Oh, Paul knew, and he experienced times of hunger, times of thirst. He knew what it meant to be cold. He knew what it meant to be naked. And in light of all of this, he goes back and he says, for our light and momentary troubles, they are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs all of them. In Romans chapter 8, verse number 18, it says, I consider that our present suffering are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And then one more. I love the words of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 9. It says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. Think long-term perspective. Don't get so bogged down in the midst of your trial that you fail to see what lies ahead. All right, let's get to the, to the next truth. Truth number five. And this is the last one, and then I'm done. In your suffering, you can either turn to God or you can run from Him. Ken said it well this past week when he said a faith that can't be uh, tested is a faith that can't be trusted. So we make the choice whether we run away from God or whether we turn to Him. I want you to listen. Final verse. Listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 16, verse number 33. It says, I've told you these things so that in Me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take courage. I have overcome the world. Jesus offers us the two very things that we need in times of suffering. He offers us peace and courage. Peace to deal with our present circumstance. Courage to deal with the future. See, God's ultimate answer to our suffering isn't an explanation. God's answer to our suffering is the incarnation of Christ. Suffering is a personal problem that demands a personal response. And aren't you glad that our God isn't some distant, disinterested, or detached deity? No, our God entered into our world, experienced our kind of suffering, and then gave us the option, the ability to turn to Him 
through faith in His Son to receive salvation and to have something that awaits for us in the future that far outweighs everything that we know right now. In the midst of your trial, in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your hardship, what will you do? Will you turn to God or run from Him? Let's pray. And as we pray, I just want you to know that if you're here and you're broken, may you know that Jesus was, was broken like bread for us. If you feel despised by friends and loved ones, may you know that he was despised and rejected by men. If someone hurts you, rejected you, or has betrayed you, our Savior can relate to that. Do you just want to cry out, you can't take it anymore? Jesus was a man of sorrow. He was acquainted with grief. Final question for you. What are you going to do with your suffering? I encourage you to turn to Him. And as we pray, and as we sing through one last song, may you know that the altar is open. May you be encouraged to come and to kneel, to pray, to take your burdens, to take those things that are making you anxious, to take those things that are overwhelming you with the wrong type of fear in life and to present them unto Christ and allow Him to take over your life, your circumstance. Father, in this time as we sing through one more song, I pray that we would make decisions that would honor and glorify You. Wherever we're at, whatever we're dealing with, may we turn to You in the midst of it all. Father, thank you for the way that you have blessed us, for the hope of what's to come. God, help us not to be focused on the immediate, but to have an eternal point of view. So God, whatever's happening in our lives, may we always seek to glorify you and to make your glory known. In this time, be pleased by what you see in and through our lives. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. I want to invite